Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Hey, uh, speaking of keeping up with things, is anybody else just not, uh, maybe just mildly shocked that it's September already? <laughs> Holy Toledo, Batman. I woke up on, what day was it, Thursday, and I thought, it is September. How did that happen? Well, the same way it always does, one day at a time. But anyway, so here we are. It's a beautiful September, and we are beautiful in it. And in September, kids go back to school. So we started a back-to-school series based on Unity's five basic principles. And this week, we are up to number four. But let's do a brief recap. And I actually prefer the version language for children and teens. So let's see where we've come from so far. Number one, God is good and uh, active in everything, everywhere. Number two, I am naturally good because God's divinity is in me and in everyone. Number three, I create my experiences because of what I choose to think and feel and believe. Number four, through affirmative prayer meditation, I connect with God and bring out the good in my life. Number five, I do and give my best by living the truth I know. I make a difference. Let's affirm that last line together. I make a difference. All right. Can I get an amen? Amen. So let's just own it. So uh, even though Unity has no one standard format for five basic principles, just know that you'll see them phrased in a variety of different ways at the different church websites because, well, I think it would be a miracle if all the Unity leaders agreed on one thing at the same time. <laughs> Let's just say we're a creative bunch of folks, all right? And, and we call that a strength. So that's how we're going to think about that today. So a little bit of recap about where we were last week so we can get into today's topic. So from the booklet, the third principle is phrased this way. Human beings create their experiences by the activity of their thinking. Everything in the manifest realm has its beginning in thought. And there is a lot of theology packed into a few sentences. So this principle, though, highlights an important fact about unity and the other families of thought in New, in, in new Thought, like Centers for Spiritual Living, Divine Science, and those sort of things, in that there is a tie-in between unity and psychology. We understand the spiritual importance of understanding how we think and why we think the way we think. The key point in this principle is that people create the experience of their lives, the meaning of their lives. And we're not talking about things that happen in the natural realm, like you washed your car and made it rain, uh, or somebody thought about a tornado and here comes Dorothy and all that. And we're not talking about blaming people when bad things happen, as in, what were you thinking that caused this to happen to you? We call that sort of thing metaphysical malpractice. And in truth, though, sometimes what you were doing or thinking led immediately to the bad decision you just made and its immediate consequence. Like, like saying, I wonder if that glass top range really does get hot and I've turned it on. He's like, ah, oh, you put your hands on it. Well, it's hot. So there you go. Instant karma. Because anything can happen to anyone at any time. Sometimes those are really awesome experiences like falling in love and winning the lottery. And sometimes they're awful experiences, which will go unnamed. 
So that second line that everything in the manifest realm has its beginning of, in thought ha, warrants a second look. So if something was created by humans, humans obviously thought it up, uh, sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. The principle can work constructively and destructively, meaning I can create a tool or a new candle, something that really adds richness and value to the life, or I can create a tool of destruction that I use to destroy things. So here's a way I like to look at this principle. It really cleans it up, I think, a little bit. Um, so thought is proactively and reactively creative. So what do we mean by that? Well, thought is proactively creative through visioning and planning and strategizing. Make a plan, get an idea, work the plan, create the thing, you know, have a goal, go to get a degree, the goals, go to college, do your homework, get the degree, that sort of stuff, proactive, make a plan and go do it. And sometimes we can be reactively created, creative, and that means that we have the right and the responsibility, I think, to give meaning to what has happened and what is happening. Because the same experience can happen to two people and they'll have totally different interpretations of it. I've talked to people who have encountered serious illness and have just let it be that, woe is me, I'm cursed, life is awful. And what did they create for themselves? Awful. I've had people, known people who have had really serious illness and chosen to learn from it and make some lifestyle changes and say such things as, wow, that really worked out for me. That turned out to be one of the better experiences in my life. Wouldn't have chosen it, but I made it mean something constructive. And perhaps you've gone through a period in your life that at first you thought, well, that was really awful and rotten, but then later came to see it pointed you in a new direction. That's what I call reactive creativity. It's kind of like emerging out of the post, out of the pandemic experience. You know, we can look at it and say and see what's changed and think, oh, woe is me, everything's awful, it'll never be the same. <laughs> or we can say, hey, this is birthing a new reality. I'm curious what it's going to be and how we can leverage it for good. Same experience, different way of looking at it. So that ultimately leads me to conclude that if I were invited personally to rephrase and rewrite Unity's third principle, I would make it really simple. Thought is powerful. Thought is powerful. And thanks to our understanding of Christ within, we can use our thought capacity creatively, powerfully, for good, not only for ourselves, but for everyone. Because what we know is that we are here to be instruments and conduits of good in the world. And sometimes that's really easy. Sometimes it is not so easy, but it's still worth doing. So let's look at principle number four. That's where we're at today. And in our booklet that everybody should have, and feel free to take an extra one around with you. Maybe you know someone who would like it. Or you could be like Julie and just carry it around and see who it attracts to you. That was a great story, by the way. I want to go to yoga class with you. So here's the principle. Prayer is creative thinking that heightens the connection with God mind and therefore brings forth wisdom, healing, prosperity, and everything good. Anybody want some more of everything good in your life? All right. Well, we're going to talk about how to bring that into manifestation. Um, so fortunately, 
and this is something really important for us to remember, that in spite of appearances, there is enough of every good thing for everybody on this planet right now. What we have is a distribution issue. There is more good than we could possibly imagine. Enough for all. So within the category of prayer, loosely described as talking to God, and meditation, loosely described as listening to God, are found countless practices that allow the practitioner to consciously experience connection with the divine by whatever name you choose to use for the divine. That's one reason why we refer to ourselves here at Unity of Fairfax as a spiritual center for education, practice, and service. It's one of the reasons why we include prayer and meditation in all that we do, because we want to heighten our conscious awareness of our oneness with our Creator. So you're probably familiar with that old joke about the man who got stopped on the street in New York City and was asked, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? And the answer is, Amen. So the implication is that Carnegie Hall is it. If you've made it to Carnegie Hall, you are pro. You have gotten to the promised land. It's like when people from Indiana moved to Florida, right, Julie? Well, and then we left. Well, I left. You never made it there. Anyway, that's a sidebar conversation. So in order to get to Carnegie Hall, you have to practice. you got to stay at your game. It's like how all the best athletes in the world still have coaches and still practice. All the best musicians. Musicians still practice. Everybody practices to stay on top of their game. And it's like that for us, too, who are engaged in an active spiritual life. Because the Carnegie Hall of prayer meditation is just that. It is a conscious connection with the divine. Now, the reality is we are always connected to it. That never changes. The only thing that changes is our awareness of it and the extent to which we live our lives knowing the truth of who we are as individualized expressions of God, as connected to this infinity, infinity that God is all the time. And so we use our practices to stay in that sense of connection, to stay in that sense of oneness, to remind ourselves all, at all times who we are. You know, the, in the book of Matthew, the author has Jesus say, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. These things being peace, abundance, prosperity, loving relationships, wisdom, joy, those are the things that come after our awareness of our connection with the divine. And as Paul wrote in his first letter to Thessalonians, which was actually the first of any of the Christian scriptures to be written, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So how is it that we pray without ceasing when I don't think any of us really, ain't nobody got the time to come to church all the time and stay in prayer. But when we are consciously aware of our thinking, when we are consciously asking ourselves, what is the point of what I'm about to say, then we know we are praying. Because as our little song says, all thoughts are prayers, and we are always praying. 
So let us be mindful of what it is we are praying for. Let us be mindful of this consciousness from which we are praying. And this injunction, too, to give thanks in all things, powerful, powerful, powerful. Because even when things are going horribly in our world, there's always something to be grateful for. And the more we look for the things to be grateful for, the more of them we find. So simple things that allow us to stay connected consciously to the truth of who we are to help us realize, that is, make real in our world our understanding of being the light of God expressing, the love of God expressing, the peace of God expressing. Now, don't judge yourself because there will be days when every so often we might realize I am not living up to my standard. Well, it's easier to get forgiveness than permission. So when you become aware of it, and this is the great news, just say, hey, I've stepped aside from the truth of my being. I've gotten caught up in a negativity storm. Take a deep breath in, let it go, start over. There's no reason to beat yourself up, no reason to cast blame or shame. Just say, hey, I stepped aside. Now I'm getting back on the path. That's all there is. So let's talk about meditation and prayer for a few moments. The spiritual practice of meditation is about stilling our minds, stilling our bodies. And from this stillness emerges, as we've said, such things as peace of mind, peace of body, self-awareness, awareness of the meditation around us. These are all things Julie brought into our meditation this morning. And not only that, from that point of stillness, we find it easier to be receptive to divine ideas and inspirations. You know, we sometimes get ideas that come from out of the blue. You know what that is? That's just another name for God. Out of the blue. Ooh, just pop in my head. It's easier to receive those when we're not stressing, when we've calmed down the monkey mind and gotten off the hamster wheel of worry that plagues so many of us, this guy included. Getting still, breathing, becoming aware of our bodies, and allowing the energy to settle like water in a pond. When it just settles, the water becomes clear, and we can see ourselves in our reflections. That's what meditation does. It brings peacefulness. And meditation can be done in any number of poses, sitting still. And meditation can be done while moving, such as walking our incredibly beautiful labyrinth out front or walking in nature, or swimming. Before I actively and very consciously engaged in a spiritual life, I didn't realize I had a devout meditation process as an undergrad, because I would get up early in the morning and go lap swimming before class. Just counting my strokes, making sure I was breathing at the right time, counting laps to the exclusion of everything else. It was my meditation. People who are runners do this. People who ride their bikes do this. Meditation doesn't have to be just sitting and holding a particular pose or asana. It is whatever it does to calm our minds, to calm our hearts. See, me ultimately, meditation isn't something we do for God. It's something we do for us. And in doing it for us, conversely, 
We're doing it for God. We're opening ourselves to be channels of good. And as our minds and our bodies become still and less stressed, we become those open conduits of those ideas, those divine ideas, which may come while we're doing our thing. They may come later in the day. We have just simply prepared the soil to receive. Now, the spiritual practice of prayer is about our expressing our thoughts, our feelings, our intentions, and our concerns in a constructive manner. That's why in Unity and New Thought, we emphasize affirming, affirmative prayer, declaring our prayers affirmatively rather than beseechingly, praying from the conscious awareness that wherever we are, God is, rather than begging God up there somewhere to notice what's happening right here. Yo, it's happening here. See, as Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore once said, Prayer is more than supplication. It is an affirmation of truth that eternally exists, but which has not yet come into consciousness. It comes into consciousness not by supplication, but by affirmation, declaring affirmatively that the good already exists. Whatever the situation, we just want to hold the vision of it, find out what are the divine ideas we might use to help express it, or simply just know the truth and let the process unfold. Well, that's all fine and good. But I learned something during prayer chaplain training in June, and I learned it from Reverend Sherry, who is right here in front. Reverend Sherry is an ordained minister in Centers for Spiritual Living and just a wonderful addition to our community. Yeah, let's give Reverend so there we were, training our new prayer chaplains and uh, renewing the prayer chaplain training for the veterans. And we were talking about different modes of prayer, prayer because there's, you can, there's thousands and thousands of books written about prayer over the millennium. And Reverend Sherry introduced a prayer method that all the rest of us hadn't, had none of the rest of us had ever heard of. She called it the WW prayer. And I thought, well, I'm on WW. I've just gotten back in. Uh, she goes, no, it's not that. Well, I've been very prosperous, and you can tell by looking. So, you know, it's not that. And I said, well, well, what's the WW prayer? And she just looked at us all, and she goes, you know, whatever works. What? <laughs> and it is, you know, and, and the whole point was the form was not as important as the function. The form of prayer is not as important as the function. And when we are praying, uh, especially if it's a time of challenge, people want to know that they've been heard. They want to find a way to express their concerns and their thoughts and their desires in such a way that they've been witnessed and comforted. So it's not so much a matter of the form in the moment as much as the function. And the function is to express oneself, to express one's intentions, to be heard, to be held, to be witnessed, to be loved. Prayer reminds us of our connection to God, higher power, source, the universe, in such a way that we know, we feel, we experience the sacred, numinous connection that we know is always there, but we need to feel it, to be conscious of it. And prayer can be personal 
or oneself with another prayer partner, like Anita Hartley is on prayer duty today, or in the collective when we come together to pray together. Prayer can be silent. It can be spoken. It can be sung. It can be chanted. But ultimately, it's an expression and a witnessing. Something very personal, profound, holy. See, ultimately, prayer isn't for God. Ultimately, it is for us. Because when we know we've been loved and we've been heard and we've been witnessed, then we can go out and do the same. And ultimately, paradoxically, it is a gift back to God. The wonderful circle of life, this inflow and outflow that Julie brought in our meditation. And as we pray from a place of empowerment, we channel our energy constructively towards ends that benefit ourselves and benefit others. I remember being in a yoga class, and I remember the instructor, she would always close by saying, thank you for your practice, because the practice is a service to the world. I've never forgotten that. And it has reminded me always of unity's fourth principle of the value and the import of engaging in regular spiritual practice. Now, your spiritual practice can change over time, and that's great. That's wonderful. We are wise to welcome a variety of different prayer practices. We are wise to welcome and engage practices from different traditions, to open our minds and to open our hearts to new ways of feeling and knowing the divine. We have so many opportunities and so many ways to keep growing. So your homework for this week, it is back to school season, so everybody gets homework, is to lean into to questions or lean into an, uh, an internal review of what prayer is for you. How comfortable are you praying out loud or privately? How many varieties and types of prayers are you familiar with? What are you curious about that you might want to explore? And in like fashion, what about meditation? How familiar are you with a variety of different meditation practices? How willing are you to try some new ones? How curious are you about the impact of meditation? So think about these things this week. And then next week, when we look at our fifth principle, we're going to pull them all together and see how it happens that we might more fully than ever before live the truth we know. Peace be with you, and happy Labor Day. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m., or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.